You're listening to the Date Smarter, Sexier podcast with dating and relationship coach, Andrea LaRosa, and my co-host and producer, Kanan John Dewey. Welcome back, listeners. We are starting this episode with some questions. Yes, it's our second I guess, addition or, or, or installment. I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> I guess addition. Yeah. Of our, well, I like this show because I feel like we get questions and, you know, people who listen to our show still have mm-hmm. inquiries, I guess you would call them when we talk about these topics. And, you know, I've even had people pull me aside sometimes to say, you know, I didn't quite understand what you said in this show. And, but I was thinking this, I'm like, this is a great question. And, or we're on our, your Facebook group and people are asking questions within the comment section. And it's just invigorating to like, see how engaged our listeners are with learning more about them, how they view and how they date. And I think it's great that you're, you're, you're providing such a wealth of knowledge and a a lot of help to our listeners. And I think they really appreciate it. And I love it. So this is one of my favorite episodes. That's basically what I'm trying to get to. I love this episode too, because, um, some of the questions that we're going to actually answer today, at least on my list, Kanan and I come with different questions, different lists of topics to cover, which is quite fun because we don't share them ahead of time. So I'm always curious to see the overlap, but some of what I bring today is coming straight off of the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them were not necessarily questions for the show, but conversations that have come up over time that there's confusion about. Mm-hmm. Um, one in particular that I really want to address because I actually got a lot of feedback on this particular question privately and I was really surprised. So I'm excited to get started with today's, let's today's go. episode. Let's yeah, go. let's do this. Let's do this. You going first or am I going first? I'll go first because this was actually, so a friend pulled me aside and was like, you know, I had a problem with something that you guys talked about in your show. And I started asking my other friends about it. And they said, no, that's not true, scientifically. (laughs) And I was like, what is it? And so he says, the question was was something that was said in the show where we were like, um, men should not masturbate before going on a date because it's, it zaps their energy or something like that, or, or it takes away their pheromones. So basically, can we talk about that more? What mm-hmm. happens when a man or a woman masturbates before a date? So like, I'm glad actually you brought that up because I was literally just talking about this the other day because uh, not to give anything away, but obviously we've talked a lot that season two is going to be about sex and our season two opener, the guest we had on talked about masturbation for men and how it is healthy. Mm-hmm. And I was not saying on that episode that it's unhealthy, but the fact that a sex therapist and, um, Eastern medicine might slightly differ a little bit on this. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talk about your energy, I mean, energetically, your pheromones that you're giving off. Mm-hmm. So when women masturbate before a date, 
it releases the bonding hormone. It's a pheromone. It's when you're on the date, all of a sudden you're with this woman and you're thinking, why am I so attracted to her right now? Sure. Could she just be an attractive person? Of course. But if she is masturbating before she goes on that date, her body is releasing this hormone Mm -hmm. and it's, it's the bonding hormone. And so men don't do that the same way. Mm -hmm. If a man masturbates before a date, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Don't expect to have sex though on that date. No, yeah, not really. That's going to be a little hard to do. Right. And if you can have sex on that date, you're not going to be at your peak performance. No, it's going to be kind of limp. (laughs) (laughs) So that is simply what I meant is that women should do it before and men. Sure. Can you, of course you can. It's -hmm. not going to contribute to the date in any shape or form. It might calm you because I know a lot of men say that masturbation actually calms them and makes them feel very grounded. So yes, if it does that for you, then do that before your first date. So that way you're calm and grounded. The chances of you getting laid on a first date are probably slim They're not non-existent, but they're probably a little bit slim, depending on the type of people you're out there dating. Mm -hmm. If you are dating people that you are probably going to get laid on that first date, do not masturbate before you go. Yeah. I mean, well, if the date is the point of that, then you probably should masturbate. I think, you know, going in, whether you should or shouldn't based on the interaction with the person. I, I will, I will say that I think if you, if you're more concerned with getting to know the person. And this is just me objectively. I am not a, a coach. I am not, you know, certified in any way. But I would think just me thinking, <laughs> thinking, 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 thinking. That's the word of the day. But um, if you do do it, it would take some edge off of the day. Because there were movies that I've seen growing up where they said, like, I guess it was uh, there's something about Mary where that was like mm-hmm. a, a joke where Ben Stiller's character was told, make sure you masturbate before a date, because if you don't, um, you might be anxious or something like that. Now that's a movie. Yes. That's probably an assumption. Yes. Because, you know, these screenwriters don't always have a academic background, but that being said, I have masturbated before a date before and it does take the edge off and it does allow me to be more in the moment instead of thinking, oh, I want to get railed tonight or, oh, I want to fuck, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. It definitely will calm you. It'll definitely keep you grounded, but it's not going to have the same effect that when women do, it doesn't Mm. create the same pheromone. That that was my only point with that was that women should Mm -hmm. um, masturbate before a date and it will energize them. So, okay, not thinking first date, say we are on like date five or six, whatever date you feel comfortable having sex with someone that is to be determined by you and the other person only. Yeah. Experts can say, you shouldn't, have se- yeah, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have sex before such and such date, whatever. Sure. You go with how you're feeling. Let's yeah. be real. But if it's meant it to be, com- Right. And if it's at that point where you have been dating and you are ready to sleep with them and the man has sex before, or sorry, he masturbates before and finds out during the date that she wants to sleep with you. Now you are putting yourself into a position to not perform at your peak. 
And I'm not going to lie. There are women out there that will be into a guy. And the first time they have sex, she'll be like, oof, ooh, that wasn't good. And then she'll lose interest instead of giving him a second or third chance. Mm. Do you think that's why sometimes uh, it's been said in, in some religions or even in some faiths that you should wait to ha- you abstain from sex before marriage because of that? Because I mean, there that does happen. It's natural. You scratch that itch, the itch is gone, and then you move on. No, because you need to know if you have sexual compatibility. Okay. Think of how many people who get married and then divorce because there's cheating or there's a loss of interest because there's no sexual compatibility. Mm. It takes time to have sexual compatibility. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't always happen on the first try. You don't know what your partner likes and your partner doesn't necessarily know what you like. Mm-hmm. Unless you both happen to be very vocal, and I mean vocal, not as in screaming during sex. I mean vocal as in being able to tell your partner in a positive way what you like and don't like. Yeah. That's harder to do. Not as many people are comfortable with doing that. So it takes some time to learn what does my partner like? You know, if I go down on my partner, are they moaning? Are they excited? Or are they just doing it because they want me to feel good about myself? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Which is why we'll talk about it in season two a lot more. Why women need to stop faking orgasms. Men do. I I don't know. I've heard and we'll find out for sure from our sex therapist in season two. But I've heard men can fake an orgasm. I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I have a few times in my life. Mm. That's interesting to know. I'm excited about season two, so I don't want us to jump yeah, ahead. I don't, to ta- I don't want to talk about it too much because that, that will <laughs> definitely. Well, what's the next question that you got from the group? Okay. Um, so a question that was trying to be asked and wasn't really being answered very well. And so I really want to address it today. Someone had asked about what the men of the group thought that women really wanted. And I think there was confusion in the question. So I think the guys were confused by by the framing of it maybe. And maybe I am too. So I might be answering the wrong question here. So my apologies if I am. But my assumption is what she was trying to get at was what do the heterosexual men out there assume women are looking for in a relationship or when it comes to dating. Um, And she was specifically talking about straight relationships. I think she was trying to see if the men that she's dating are confused about what women are really looking for. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem with that question is that there are a lot of women out there that really are still just looking for someone to be a provider. Yeah. And so that was my response in the question in the group was, you know, I wanted to see how many people owned up to think that women are looking for the tall, handsome man or the guy who can financially provide. And I think that's true. I think to some degree it is still true. Yes. I've seen in so many of these other groups that I'm in, 
you know, I, I do a lot of research to be able to come up with all the information I share. I read a lot of books. I talk to a lot of other dating coaches. We share a lot of statistics and research with each other. We take surveys of our own. So then that way we can survey, you know, a few thousand people and then we share our results. And my God, Facebook is a wealth of information. There is a group for everything. Everything. That's why I think we're in like the renaissance of really finding love via just diving into who the fuck you really are. (laughs) Oh, no, because like something as simple as like, um, I know we're, we're, I'm switching up the conversation a little, but we're going to go back. Something as simple as me liking kilts. I started joining groups on Facebook that likes kilts and I'm noticing there's men and women. So let's mm-hmm. say just some random dude, you know, let's say you're not, well, I'm obviously not. I mean, I do have some of that in me, but obviously I'm not of Scottish descent. That being said, there are people out there that are into doing certain things like wearing kilts or or into certain hobbies that they don't think a lot of people out there are into it. And then they get on Facebook and they see that there are people. It increases your chances of finding love because I see women in these groups sharing their opinions when you think that it's something only men enjoy. No, that's not the truth. They're Mm -hmm. equal on both sides of people that enjoy things. I think we are truly in the renaissance of finding the perfect mate because social media has slightly made it easier to find people like yourself if you know who you are and are willing to openly share who you are. But back to your question about, (laughs) (laughs) I do agree with you because I I don't know if I'm being um, ignorant by saying this, but I feel like there's this universal conditioning that happens to women. And and I think mothers don't mean to do it, but they were trained by their own mothers and their mothers are trained by their mothers and their mothers are trained by their mothers. So I think there's like this long history of conditioning women to think that you have to find the male to be the provider for you and he'll take care of you. And all you have to do is, you know, really take care of the kids. You can pursue your stuff, but really just find a man to take care of you and your family. It's generational teaching is what it is. We teach each generation. And I think we're coming out of it a little bit. Um, The next generation is a little bit more open. And the next generation after that is a little bit more open. Yeah. But really, if you think about it, you know, your parents and, and age plays a huge part in this too, but your parents have taught you, oh, you bring home a potential mate to meet the family, someone who might be long-term male or female. Mm -hmm. And they want to know, what do you do? Did you go to school? Do you have ambitions in life? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you like to do for fun? Are you a drug user? Um, You know, how many times have women out there, have you brought home a boyfriend who is in a band, for example, Mm -hmm. and your parents roll their eyes and go, oh God, that's no career. Mm. and that's what's happened and that's what's created this this desire to have someone who provides for you it's not that he needs to be the breadwinner of the family anymore it's just that he needs to be able to hold his own Mm -hmm. and so as we age you know it becomes more and more important to some people especially if you're talking to single moms Mm -hmm. A single mom does not want to have to provide for her children 
and a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah. Well, I will say, I do feel that almost everyone on planet Earth is religious. And I almost feel like, like the one religion that's the most, I think, Catholicism is, has them, or is it, is it the Muslim? Anyway, it doesn't matter. That, that doesn't matter. What I'm trying to get to is everyone has a faith. And I feel like a lot of the faiths around the world does have this weird uh, inequality amongst the genders where one is here and one is like here maybe, mm-hmm. but it's, it's always like that. And they maintain that no matter what, no matter what, how they evolve, no matter how modern they are, there's always that slight inequality between the two genders that are present within that that faith and I think because of that sometimes it's going to keep us in this place where you know I can see maybe in two generations yeah we might be more fluid and more open with what who we are and what we are but as long as religion is a basis of majority of our lives I don't know I think so yeah to backtrack on the religion thing (laughs) Christianity, I believe, is the most popular, for lack of a better word, religion currently globally. Globally? Okay. Uh, Globally. Uh, It's Christianity still. Okay. But you're right. The majority of people, again, this is a majority, this is not everybody, the majority Mm -hmm. of people have some type of faith-based background. Yeah. Whether you were raised in it and you don't believe in it now, or you believe in it now and you weren't raised in it at some point in your life, the majority of people have been exposed to a faith based religion or organization. Yes. So yes, what you're saying, I think is absolutely true. It plays a huge role in how you date. If you grew up in a Christian household, traditional Christian household, and maybe now and as, as an adult, you're listening to us thinking, well, I'm not that religious. I'm spiritual now. Great. Me too. <laughs> but like me, you were raised in that household with those parents. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents were very Catholic. Mm-hmm. And now as an adult, my mom's kind of moved away from it a little bit and been, become more spiritual. And so have I, but I went to a Catholic school as a kid. So I was raised in this belief of marriage and you don't have kids until you're married. Although no one in my family followed that rule very well. (laughs) (laughs) Who does? (laughs) Honestly, but you're still, you have this ingrained belief system, whether you follow it or not is different, but it's, it's how you're raised. It's, it's what you were taught to believe is right versus wrong. And like you said, there's a lot of religions out there that women are not equal to men still. Yeah. I remember I had one experience. And just to show this, you know, I really shouldn't share this because I do not want to get this person in trouble. So I'm going to stop myself. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, 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 it's very prevalent in around the world. It's just, you know, not be dumb about it, you know, around the world, this is still an issue. My next thought is, is it okay? Like, is it okay to want to just be a housewife? Because I do have female friends. 
I wouldn't necessarily say that they're um, Republican or they're Trump supporters, but they definitely enjoy and appreciate the traditional, whatever that may be. Well, to them, it's considered, you know, a woman stays home, takes care of the kids. Mm -hmm. The man goes out, he has a really good job. He provides for the family. They love it. You know, it's, they think it's the most American thing, I guess. I don't know. It's like apple pie to them. Is it okay to be (laughs) the person because there's that struggle when it comes to like, you know, fighting for equality and fighting for different things. There are people who do like and do love the, the conditioning or the traditions that we have mostly known most of our lives. So yes, if women do want those things from a man, is that okay? Is it okay for a woman to want to be provided for? Is it okay for a woman to want to be a stay-at-home parent? Is it okay for a man to want to be the stay-at-home parent? It's choice. It's your choice. Yeah. So what society thinks, honestly, you shouldn't really give a shit. They really shouldn't. You should be making these choices based on what you and your partner want. And if you want to be a stay-at-home parent, then you be a stay-at-home parent. Mm-hmm. However, don't judge those who don't want the same. Exactly. That's the big difference. So then when the person in the group was asking the question, what do men think women want? Whatever they're thinking has been wrong, where they think that it's a provider thing. At the end of the day, what anyone really wants is just a partner who wants what they also want, who mm-hmm. their wants kind of align basically. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's tricky when you're talking about straight relationships, men, a lot of men, especially white men, I'm sorry to say this, but it's true, have been raised to have this entitlement of, I deserve to have the woman I want, but without putting in the effort to get her. And I actually think that was the direction she was going. I think that was the point she was trying to make that if you want the woman that you want, then you need to put in the effort to get her. Oh my God. I just had this conversation with my wax lady. (laughs) I can so get it because some of the men that have these super high expectations of the women are like slobs. They're disgusting. Mm-hmm. They have bad habits. They're most times rude. You think, were you raised by wolves? Maybe I'm actually <laughs> you might actually have been raised by wolves. But yeah, they're like these disgusting men. But then their list for the mate that they want is like this laundry list of like superficial desires. Oh, she needs to have this size waist, big titties, a fat ass. She needs to be able to make food, but she also needs to, it's like, Please, I hear what I hear my straight single friends talk about their relationships sometimes. I'm just like, oh my God, who the fuck is going to please you? This is going to be one interesting person. If I could teach all of the single people out there one thing, myself included, but if I could teach them all just, just only one thing, it would be to let go of that list of expectations. Try for once to have no expectations. And those are different from standards, Mm -hmm. but try to have no expectations. Is that the same as entitlement too? Like don't have it, don't feel like you are entitled to anything. Like can we, yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same. Like don't 
be entitled and don't have expectations. Right. We treat dating like it's a goddamn job. We really do. (laughs) I know it feels like one. It feels like a part-time job because you put so much time and effort into it. You're swiping, then you're having conversation, then Mm -hmm. you're meeting in person, just spending, I don't know, God knows how many hours to find out that this person wasn't a good fit, or maybe you only go on two or three dates and then they ghost you. Well, that's That's frustrating. That's so frustrating. I remember when I was single and that would happen. You just like, well, I'm used to it now because I've been actor, you know, you, (laughs) I get ghosted (laughs) by so many productions and like go out. It's like going out for an interview all the time and then you think you did a good job, but you don't hear from them again. It's like, did I just get ghosted again? Yeah. Like constantly getting go anyway. But But it's the same thing, right? So people are going on dates now in this interviewing mode. Yeah, exactly. And they just want to know, are you going to ghost me after the second date too? But (laughs) if you keep going on a date in interview mode, then yes, I guarantee you, you're going to get ghosted Yeah, or at least told that they're not interested because you can't start a relationship as an interview. Yeah. Plus that's kind of intense. It's so intense. Yeah. And I have some lawyer friends and they're like, they're nice people when you get to know them and get a few, you know, shots or a few, a couple of whiskey neats in them. But (laughs) outside of that, they're super intense. They're, they're interrogating you. And I, and, and when I talk to them, I'm just, I can't imagine what it's like to date you because like everything turns into 20 questions, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Why did you go there? And what made you think of that? And, and, and it's like, it, it makes you tense up, I feel like. And if you're on a date with a person like that, it's like, come on, get the hell away from me. I don't want to have sex with you. I'm dry. Especially a first date. Yeah. You shouldn't be asking any of that shit on a first date. You shouldn't be asking anything about their past relationships. I hear that mm-hmm. one all the time. So when was your last relationship? None of your fucking business. This is a first date. Is it going to really determine whether or not you want to be in a relationship with me? Is that a nervous tick question? Because I feel like I've asked that before. And the reason why I asked it was to fill up the dead air that was, that was currently happening. No, I actually think a lot of people ask that because they don't want to get burned because they've been on so many dates and they want to know, have you been in a relationship? Do you know how to be in a relationship? When was your last relationship? How long was it? But, and I'm not saying don't ever ask these questions. They're extremely important questions to ask when you are to the point where you think, you know what? I want to date this person. They are not first date conversations. First date needs to be fun. Yeah, I agree. It's a little intense to learn. I, mean, and I feel like no matter when you learn it, it's intense to learn this, that you're, the person you're currently with was just in a two-year, three-year, four-year, five, however many year relationship. And it's just like, you know that they had a whole routine and a whole life with right. someone for over a year. So actually to learn that information too early, I think that would kind of kill it. it and was- you're going to judge Because you don't know how long it takes for someone to heal. Someone could say my last relationship was two years ago and I had just gotten out of maybe a 10 year relationship. They may not be healed. (laughs) They may not be over it. Oh my God. Yet someone could get 
to get out of a relationship maybe six months ago, but it felt over to them years ago and they're healed. They did the work. Maybe they went to therapy, whatever they did. Maybe they hired a coach. Yeah. So you can't judge how long it takes someone else to become a whole person again after a relationship. Mm. And you don't know why someone hasn't been in a relationship either. So it's not first date questioning. Have you ever walked out of an interview and said, damn, that was fun. I want to do that again. Or (laughs) walked out of an audition. Auditions. Yes. Interviews. No. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because while that being said, auditions are supposed to be fun. And usually when they're fun, you get it. But you can't really say that about a job interview, unless it's like your dream job, like unless you're interviewing for like the job that you've wanted your entire fucking life, then maybe it could be fun. But um, but you're probably nervous. I really want that job. I hope I get that job. For an audition, you get to you get to be playful right? You get to tap into another side of you. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe people need to stop thinking of it as an interview and think of your first date as an audition. Yeah. And just have fun. Basically, you're trying to win over the other side with your the best parts of your personality. So yeah. do that on a date. That's actually a great idea. We should, you should. We figured treat, it out. Yes. <laughs> treat your dates like it's an audition, not like like I know we're talking about, yeah, we were talking about interviews, but I mean, yeah, there's one side of auditions where it is very intense. You know, you hear stories about ballerinas who fuck up their feet because they've, uh, they've been practicing so much. You hear stories about actors who freeze up because they've been studying their monologues so much that when the the director finally says action, they're like, yes, Uh. that, (laughs) that does happen. But as an artist, there is this side of it where if you allow yourself to be in the moment and just have fun with what is being asked of you, it can lead on to beautiful experiences. The experience in a, the experience itself, auditioning can be a beautiful experience. And the same thing can be said about dating. So if you go to, I guess, what we're trying to get to, what you're trying to tell us, because I'm just, you know, just thinking no, you're, you're right on it. You're right on it. Keep going with it. Okay. Okay. Love this. What I'm thinking is, is that we should start treating our dates like that, like have fun on it, explore Mm -hmm. the moment, see where it goes. And if you're having fun, if you're calm and you're centered and you're fully engaged in what is being asked of you and you're opening, you're open to receiving and giving, then that can open up doors to a second, a third date, which is in the acting world called a callback. Exactly. approach dating like it's auditions like do your best on each one but if you get a call back that's great absolutely a hundred percent it's just a first date you're just seeing do I like this person enough to be around them again don't set your future with them on a first date you don't know anything about them this is true because even again bring up the acting thing that is really what's happening in the interaction is can I deal or not deal that's a negative word can I work with this person for however long it takes to get this production pre-production production and post-production can I am I comfortable communicating what I desire and want from this person and am I confident that they're going to give it to me 
So it's kind of the same thing in dating. It's like, am I confident this person, if I communicate what I want in the future, will this person give it to me? Or will I be um, met with uh, resistance? Right. Wow. <laughs> okay. That being said, so this, that question that you, you asked for this whole segment, basically about what women want from men, straight women was actually a question that I had written down as well. So that was one of our, see, you know, I knew yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. But then there is actually a question you asked to the group. Now I'm switching it out. I know we say, I have other questions here on this list that you have sent us, but I thought this was an interesting question because I like that you asked, I'm sorry, someone else asked this question, but you asked them to re- reword the question because of <gasps> That's the- on my list too. Okay. The question was, why are you still single? Mm-hmm. And I also put in, in parentheses, nagging, and it created such a response in the comment section. So my question to you is, in response to that question, why is it so negative when people ask that question on a first date? I am so glad you brought that up because if you didn't, I was going to. Okay. (laughs) I received so many messages about this one, private messages. People reached out and thought that I was being too harsh. And so... I want to clarify that in no way was I trying to be harsh with the person who asked. Um, The person who asked the question, we're in other groups together and we feed off of each other with questions and answers. And he's just, he's a really cool, chill, chilled guy. So um, just to clarify, this wasn't me scolding him. This wasn't me yelling at him. And I am acutely aware that there is a language barrier. English is his second language. Mm -hmm. So I just saw it as a beautiful teaching moment for the group. When you are on a date, and I know this happens a lot, or if you start messaging with someone and someone's like, damn, you're hot. Why are you still single? That is called negging. It's a backhanded compliment. Yeah. It's a compliment to say, God, you're hot. But- But something must be wrong with you because you're still single. Yeah. So when we ask someone, why are you still single? It's like saying something must be wrong with you. What's I'm the- missing something. Yes. What's the catch here? You are too good to be true to be single. What's fucked up about you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see that. So that's why I say to rephrase it, try something else, try asking a question like, um, you know, what's, what's made you stay single for this long? Mm -hmm. Ask the same flipping thing, right? I'm really asking the same thing, but but that gives the person a little bit more um, power in the situation. Yes. It's like asking, maybe it's been a choice you've made. Mm. Right. And rather than just saying, why are you still single? Mm-hmm. What- is it also negative to say, has it been a choice of yours to stay single this whole time? I don't think it's, well, I, me personally, I would be slightly, it'd be off-putting to be asked that. It's a little rude and it, 
you know, if, if we're really trying to follow like the effective communication, then asking a question like that really takes some clever wording because if someone asks you, why are you still single? And you're on a first date with this person and they say to you, I'm single because I can't find the right person. What does that tell you? What do you assume if someone says, I just can't find the right relationship? That they are picky. Exactly. Guarantee you every single listener out there just said the same thing. They're like, oh, I don't know. Let me think that you're picky, that there's something wrong with you, that people leave you for some reason, that you are cray cray. (laughs) (laughs) This is all true. And I'm thinking of all the, and I'm, and I know it's a, okay. It's not innocent, but it kind of sort of is. It's like, you just want to know. So you want to protect yourself from getting hurt, which is probably why it gets asked asked whatever but um yeah I, I when the experiences that I've had being asked that question I'm always sitting there like how do I fucking respond to this like do I say oh it's because I'm a bitch oh it's because I'm moody as fuck and I don't know what range of emotion I'm going to be on, on any given day and usually guys that I date run for the hills like do you want that as an answer like what <laughs> the answer to that question is so can you imagine or Oh, I'm single because my I was engaged, but my fiance jumped out of a helicopter. He was no, he jumped out of a plane. He was bungee jumping. The parachute didn't go off. That's a bummer too in a conversation. It could be anything. I feel like right. So you don't know how long point. someone's been single. Yeah, that's just, a great point. It's just not a great question to ask. It's not a mm-hmm. question. I almost feel like it's something that you should learn as the relationship progresses. I feel like yes. that's almost you learn to maybe date eight, nine, mm-hmm. or even 10. When you're just like, oh, who is this person in this picture? Oh, that's my ex. We were together for like five years. And then- Right. Yeah. It will slowly reveal itself over time as you get to know each other. Again, it's that interview question. I just want to get right straight to it. But, you know, someone can tell you, When's the last relationship you were in? Uh, I don't know. It was six months ago. What does that tell you? That tells you nothing. It It gives you a timeline. A timeline for what? Nothing. So to ask someone, why are you still single? Especially if you're asking this while you're on a date, it automatically brings hostility into the environment. So now you've just created and you've just put an elephant in the room. Yeah. Now, how are you going to recover from that? You really can't. I mean, then the the date turns into either A, you're trying to hurry up to get it done, or B, are we at least going to have sex? So then, you know, (laughs) you start to just pivot the whole conversation, really, to see if you can at least get that out of the situation. Okay, so what's the next question we have on our list that we want to go through? So the next one I have, I did a video on Facebook about, and I actually think I put up a reel recently too, or about to put one up on Instagram about first date adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one I put up on Facebook definitely sparked some questions from people about having a first date adventure. Mm-hmm. And I see this more from men than I do from women. 
men wanting to have this huge plan for a first date to impress. And I love that you guys are putting all this thought into it to impress. I kind of wish you had done that throughout the entire relationship and not just for the first few dates because that shit happens. But that's a conversation for another day. This is just for those first couple of dates, especially that first date. So some of the questions that have come in, a couple being from men asking, why not, obviously. And some other video game or something <laughs> I know. asking like, well, what can you do on a first date? Where's, where, where's that cutoff point? Mm-hmm. I usually tell clients, try and keep your date simple, easy to extend if you are enjoying time together, but also easy to get out of if you're not feeling comfortable. And I think men especially forget that women have to consider safety. You are a stranger. I don't care how long you've been texting on an app or texting, you know, via your actual phone numbers. You are still a stranger to this woman and you need to respect the safety aspect. So if you want to have an adventure date on a first date and you want her to get into your car and you're going to drive off somewhere that's like 40 minutes away and have this wonderful adventure. Mm-mm. Hell no. It's like the thought of it is just, it's its not a great idea. So is it a no to event? Because I will say for my first day with my current husband, uh, besides when we just met for like four hours for dinner, the first official day I was in New York City and I was doing some aerial photography where I was in this helicopter. I would put myself, in, well, they put me in a harness. I would like take aerial shots in New York City. But that same day, he was asking if I was available to like just hang out. So then we went to brunch. And then after that, then he was like, oh, do you want to go do something else? And then we went to, I think, a museum. I hope it doesn't kill me. I might be getting shit wrong. <laughs> and then at one point that day, we went to a piano bar. And then there was a ferry ride all on the first date. But these are all things that as we finished one thing, we were like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave you now. What else can we do together? So would you actually That's say- it. That's it. Okay. That's the key right there. You just said it. If you start a date with something that's maybe an hour and a half, two hours max, you have the option to leave. Or you have the option, like you guys did, to continue the date, do the next thing, do the next thing. So yeah, sure. If you want to come prepared with some ideas in the back of your head of like, you know what, if this goes really well, maybe afterwards we can do this. And and then if she's still feeling it after that, we can go and do this. And Mm -hmm. then maybe at some point you're like, well, I ran out of ideas, (laughs) but don't assume that much time together. Yeah. And don't assume you're going to like her that long either. That's a wild assumption too. Like people who prepay for certain things for a date, like it's romantic in theory to say, I booked us a a river cruise date for our first date. It's four hours. What if after like five minutes, you realize you fucking hate this person and now you're stuck on this fancy ass cruise for like four hours. So yeah. And don't pre-book shit for a first date. My friend learned that the hard way. He pre-booked the tickets to the Santa Barbara zoo. And in fairness, in his defense, I think you had to at the time because it was during COVID, 
but he prepaid for them non-refundable and lo and behold she backed out at the last minute for whatever reason it doesn't matter the point is he got stuck with these santa barbara zoo tickets and i know some of you are probably going who the fuck takes their first date to the zoo the santa barbara zoo is actually pretty baller (laughs) actually yeah i go my husband and i go to the zoos a lot and it's actually a really nice day because it it turns both of you who regardless of gender and age into children and that mm-hmm. wander and that excitement it i think doesn't it do something with some kind of hormones or something to make you bond or of something course. i don't of course of course it like raises your dopamine you're walking around you're stopping you're doing the santa barbara zoo is beautiful it's beautifully landscaped they've redone a lot of um, the exhibits there. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can feed. It's either the elephants or the giraffes, and it's that small so enough. Fun feeding the giraffes. We got to feed giraffes at the Palm Springs Zoo. I didn't even know they had a zoo, but last time we were there, yeah, yeah, they have a fucking zoo. I was surprised. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> and you can feed the um, giraffes, and they're so cute to feed. So if you're ever on a date. Definitely feed giraffes with the person you're with. That's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, be creative. But you know, a zoo date, that would have only taken them maybe a couple of hours. That's not an all-day thing. Now, if you're at the LA Zoo, that's probably an all-day thing. But Mm, you get through it in like two hours, maybe less. That's true. If you don't have kids with you, that's a good point. But yeah, you have to be creative. Mm -hmm. No one's saying don't be creative with your first date. I'm saying... Don't make it this adventure that has a huge expectation attached to it. I'll give you another example because this shit just happened to me. And I hope to God this dude doesn't listen to us. But if he does, my bad, you ghosted me. (laughs) So he accidentally found out what I do for a living because we exchanged phone numbers and we're talking about a potential first date. And he said how he likes to have adventures for his first date and how he absolutely refuses to get a drink on a first date and not necessarily an alcoholic one, but coffee. He doesn't like the, the typical sit down, meet face to face. Yeah. Insert eye roll for our listeners who can't see us. Yeah. Anyways. Just like <laughs> white guy. We have so many rules. Which- I'm totally fine. If you want to do a hike, I know some people don't like to do that. I can do a beach walk. I can do a hike. I can be creative. So whatever you want to do, let's do it. And then he creates, he finds out what I do for a living. Now he's got to impress me, which I keep trying to explain. You don't have to impress me. And he wants to take a drive like an hour, 45 minutes, an hour away, insists that it's not a secluded area. (laughs) won't tell me where we're going wants to bring a picnic so he's trying to figure out what kind of foods I like because he wants to bring oysters or some shit (laughs) and to top it off then discloses that he believes in a right to carry so he actually keeps a gun in his truck I was like, are you out of your damn mind? This is like a recipe for someone to run. Like, why would he like even plan this date and disclose that? What a moron. And he wanted props for being open and honest about it. And I was like, great. Good for you. I will meet you somewhere in a public place if you want to meet. 
Oh my God, who raised this guy? Seriously, who would even? See, that's what bothers me sometimes about the dating field or even just networking or getting to know people. The things people disclose to you right away, they really shouldn't, A, and B, what the fuck? (laughs) I love thee, but I'm being open and honest. Okay, well, I appreciate you being open and honest as you should be. But at the same time, let's think about that. You want to take a woman to a location that you refuse to disclose that is going to take you maybe an hour to get to. With no traffic. (laughs) And you've never met. With a picnic, with food that you you have no... no, right, I don't know what it is. You didn't prepare it. You know, you, you didn't partake in that. And he has a carry. It's like license. It's like. Come on. This is literally the outline of a horror film. You know what? <laughs> yes. Are the chances that he's a decent human being? He's just making really bad choices. Sure. Sure. But come on. But women, those of you who are listening, please do not get into a vehicle with a date that you've never met before. You don't know this person. Have you ever heard of Ted Bundy? Need I you know say what? more? You say this, we say this. And I know the whole point of our show was to help people make better decisions when it comes to healthy relationships, but you and I both know bad boys get us into their cars and get us to do, and bad girls too. It's not just bad boys, bad people. I don't want to say bad, eh. Bad people sound so negative. When I say bad boys or bad girls, it kind of sounds sexy in a way. But if you say bad people, it sounds like we're just making poor choices, which we are. (laughs) Anyway, so there is that sexiness, that allure to people that are like that, that do make weird and bad decisions, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I'm pretty sure, did you meet the guy that ghosted you? No. So I'm just going to throw this out there and I could be completely wrong there's probably a good chance that if you met, you probably would have been wildly attracted to him. Oh, I think I would have been. Yeah, because- He was hot as fuck. That's the (laughs) thing. And there's a, and I try to tell my straight friends this. I'm like, if you can be just slightly less creepy in your approach, (laughs) you would not be single because these great guys that are listening to this show, you are hot. Women think you're hot. You're just creepy. If you come off like a serial killer, if you come off with any thoughts of, if you give up any kind of feelings that you might murder someone or rape them or completely try to control this, this, the, the situation, even though I know in their mind, they're like, oh, I'm, by, I'm trying to be super romantic. I want to like surprise her. And she's going to be like, wow. It doesn't work like that in this modern world where people are getting raped murdered and trafficked into very bad situations. So because that exists, this magical world that the movies have created where, you know, you whisk a person away and, you know, to some foreign place that they have no idea. And they're just going to be just in your, in love with you and just have the goo goo gaga eyes. That doesn't exist. Maybe for like an anniversary gift that you've been with a person for like 10 years, seven years, five years, whatever then yeah, it's romantic. Mm-hmm. But on first few dates, just drop the creep factor and right. you won't be single that much longer. Like, No, you're absolutely right. Because 
I hear men all the time saying, but women keep saying they want this in a guy. Yeah, they want it in their boyfriend or in their husband, not from a first date or second date where they don't know who you are yet. You're still a stranger. Earn that, build up to it. Exactly. Just be fun. Like in the audition, just be fun. Like that's it. Like it's, it's, you know, like I see relationships where I'm always like, how the fuck did those two get together? But at the exact same time that I'm asking that question in my egotistical Mm -hmm. negative way, I also realize it just proves to me that anyone has an opportunity for love if you allow yourself to be who you are. Because a couple that I'm looking at where I'm like, what is it? If you peel the layers away, if you look deeply, there's something that connects it. It could be a hobby. It could be, you know, a skill set. It could be a movie franchise. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. But there was something that brought those two people that you're like, how did they find love? Those two people were somehow able to have fun around each other. And because of that fun, they now have a relationship. And I think that is one thing I feel most people are missing when it comes to dating and courting is they don't make it fun anymore. It's all a business transaction. It's all, how are we going to look like black power love? Or are we going to look like the successful couple? Or are we going to look like, are we going to make people jealous, like Insta jealous if we're together? (gasps) Get rid of all, get rid of all the, the BS, the bullshit that's surrounding it and just have fun. Right. Because now everyone displays their relationships on social media, they want to make sure that it's going to get enough likes or my family will approve or, you know, whatever your reasoning is, instead of just saying, you know what, is this, am I going to feel excited about this person? Am I going to feel happy when I'm around them? What emotions will I feel when I see them next time? You know, just like on a first date, I actually went on a first date recently and <laughs> told the guy, <laughs> I can't commit to a second date during the first date. So don't ask. <laughs> I need to go home and think about Honest it. Honest question, because that makes him have to work a little bit harder to earn that second date in a way. Well, think of, you know, I, people joke and I'm probably dating myself here talking about friends, but. Chandler used to have this problem on friends where he would constantly keep saying like, it was really fun. Let's do this again. And it's so common that people do that on a first date Mm -hmm. and And you don't really mean it. (laughs) You get home and you're like, we should really go back to saying yes and no and really mean it. Like, or, or just don't say anything that you're not sure you can back up. Cause I've, I've had so many experiences lately where someone has said something to me in private and then mm-hmm. I have grown to the expectation of what they said to me and it's kind of made me anxious and it ruined this, that particular experience. So I've learned that we need to just not say stuff that we don't, we're not sure we can back up. And it's just to save ourselves and save the other person and let things be a nice, fun surprise. They do call you. So like, right. Yeah. Yeah, I get right. Don't commit to anything on the first date. Because you do need that time to process. You need to be able to go home and think, how did I have fun? Did I have? Yeah, that person was okay. I'm still thinking about them. 
Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, I'm not really thinking about them anymore. And I said I would go on a second date, but I think I'll just ghost them now. Yeah. Eesh. Which then creates that whole thing, which is probably what's happening. So if you're getting ghosted, actually, that is what's happening. Because when I think back in the past of every time I've ever been ghosted by <laughs> someone, they were creating this illusion or, or expectation for me that they were interested when really... They were just trying to be nice to save my feelings mm-hmm. instead of just being honest. Those of you listening, just be honest. Like if you want to have sex, just have sex. If you're not interested, you're not interested. You don't owe anyone love. Exactly. You owe them respect. But not love. To yourself and to them. But you don't owe them love. You don't owe them sex. You don't owe them anything. You don't owe them a second date. So if you are a woman who a man just paid for your date. Maybe it was expensive dates. Maybe there was wine involved or you had an elaborate dinner or you, I don't know, did some activity that costs a lot. I mean, maybe you went golfing or I don't know, whatever you did, you don't owe anything. This is part of the experience. You make the choice. If a man makes the choice in the moment to say pay for dinner, That is a choice he's made. This is not a transaction. (laughs) Yes, we need to get away from this transactional love that that's to be. And I think it happens to all kinds of relationships. It's not just a straight Mm -hmm. or a a Black relationship thing or a gay relationship thing or interracial. It's, It's all relationships. We need to just get rid of that. I agree. And on that note, Sorry, listeners, but that is all the time you get from us today. I'm going to cut us off for the listeners, because if you want to hear the rest of these questions and answers, you are going to hop over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you're going to follow us there. So for one, you can see us because we are awesome to look at. I'm wearing like a spaghetti (laughs) strap tank top. You look at my like my you are looking pretty hot today. My upper pectoral. I didn't feel like changing. I was sitting here work design. You know, let's go to the pre the post. You know, you got really nice shoulders. I I feel intimidated by your shoulders as I'm like looking at you and I'm like, dang, I need to work out my shoulders. I don't know where this comes from. I think it's because maybe that a lot of my men in my family are built like this. Who knows? I guess maybe it's a black thing. <laughs> anyway, let's go. <laughs> so thank you, listeners, for listening to us. Please. Follow us and give us a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us and join the Facebook group, Date Smarter, Sexier, and get involved in the conversation. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Date Smarter, Sexier podcast, where dating doesn't just stop because you're in a relationship. To have a happy and healthy relationship, we need to continue to put in the effort. For more information and a free consultation from me, please visit andrealarosacoaching.com. Until next time.